Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Was there really anything about your life that you missed when you were involved in those things? Do you remember the shame of disappointing your parents? Do you remember the relatives and the friends embarrassing them and yourselves? The result of the party life, the photos and the videos that were spread around of you doing crazy things when you were under the influence of alcohol and marijuana? We need to be careful, even as Christians, that we never go back to that old place. Are there particular sins dead to you, or do you still flirt with them? Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. As Christians, we may look back at our past and see sinful acts that we've been involved in that should no longer be part of our lives. Today, Pastor Rob reviews Peter's explanation of this. When the world looks at our godly living, they think it's strange that we don't follow them in their flood of wastefulness. If life lived after the flesh is anything, it is wasteful. Peter says, they speak evil of you. When we don't participate in sin around us, we convict those who participate, and so they speak evil of us. Let's listen to Pastor Rob's final teaching in this section. Tomorrow we will go and do such and go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will shall live and do this or that. I try to make it a habit now to say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this. Because I really can't make any boasts of what I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah, we'll go to this place next week. If the Lord wills, I'll see you there. (laughs) But there is a wonderful satisfaction in doing the right thing. Doing the will of God, rather than doing the wrong thing, and always looking around the corner because you're fearing judgment when you know you've done something wrong. But is doing God's will such a bad thing, to live our lives according to the will of God? In Philippians it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and then to do of his good pleasure. Notice that. Work out what he has already worked in. You've heard this many times. But what God has already done in you, the seed of it, the germ of it is already in you. The Spirit of God is in you. All you have to do is allow him to work it out. Nothing from the outside is going to make you any better, but what God has done inside is going to radiate out like a germ in in, in the ground. When you plant that seed and the water hits it and it starts to decay and it starts to open up and whatever, and then the, the, the blade of grass comes up like your tulips right now that your deer are eating in your yard. The little ear comes up and little flower comes up, and before long, that little Bambi will come up and eat it in the middle of the night. (laughs) But that's what it's like. 
the seed of God in you, the very Spirit of God working. You just let Him work it out. And, it, and it's His job to, to cause you first to will. Notice the order of that. To will and then to do of His good pleasure. Because we don't want to live the rest of our time, as it says there in verse 2, in the will of our flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God, for the will of God. That's why it's important that we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Are you reading the Word every day? Read the Word every day, because it's the, it's the one thing that I enjoy more now than ever I ever have. Just to read the Word and allow it to take root in my heart, to soak in it. And I'm finding just by reading and reading and reading, just read as much as you can. Even if you don't think you're getting anything out of it, believe me, there's a lot happening that you might not be aware of. Stuff is getting in. Stuff is getting in. You just continue to read it. You pray over it. You read it. And then more importantly, take a little thing of it, just a piece of it that you've read, and put it in action today. Put it in action at the workplace and watch what God does with that little bit of truth that you put feet on. And now all of a sudden, you prove it, and then you, it becomes yours and then maybe next week, maybe the next day, you'd look at something else and say, you know, I'm going to try with everything in my might to, to really focus on this. I, want to be, I don't want to be a gossip and a busybody. Lord, help me not to be that way. You have plenty of opportunities wherever you go to not be a gossip and a busybody. We all do. But Jesus, he lived for the will of the Father. He didn't spend his life in the lusts of men. He surrendered his will. He always lived to do those things that pleased his Father. In Matthew chapter 4, if you would, go there with me. And we're going to see here that Satan was uh, tempted Jesus on three different levels. He tempted him with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And you've heard this before, but the pride of life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus was led, and this is very early in his ministry after the baptism of John. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the Judean hills there, excuse me, to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. And then the tempter came to him and he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You're the Son of God. You spoke everything into existence, right? In the beginning was, you know, um, in the beginning, you know, the Lord created the earth and everything in it. He just spoke a word. Everything happened, right? He spoke it into existence. The devil's saying to Jesus, why don't you just do that? You're hungry. How about a foot-long sub? An Italian assorted with the special sauce on it. Just do it. You could do it, Lord. He tempts him by the lust of the flesh. Now look down in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, which is the south east corner of the temple, which is the, the tallest peak of the temple mount. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, or literally, since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And the devil must have thought he was really something, quoting the Psalms here. <laughs> and, and then again, you know, this is the pride of life. And each time Jesus quotes a passage out of Deuteronomy but notice that the Satan here tempts him in the pride of life. And finally, in verse 8, the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Notice, and he said to him, all these things I will give you. Wait a minute. I thought God created the earth. We already talked about that, didn't we, back in Genesis. Notice Jesus didn't say, ah, not so quick. Have you read uh, Psalm, uh, was it 19? Have you read that? That heavens are the, uh, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? Have, have, you, have you read that? What version do you have? The message? 
Because, you know, if you have the, the King James, you know, <laughs> do you know what, the, what it says there? No, Satan says, he takes him up there. All these things I will give to you, Jesus, if you will fall down and worship me. And you think of the lust of the eyes, all the kingdoms of the world. You, you can bypass the cross. You don't even need to go to the cross. Just bow down right now and worship me, and this can all go away. You won't have to suffer the cross. You won't have to be separated from the Father. This whole business of the Lord uh, you know, turning his back on you doesn't have to happen. Easy peasy. Give you a way out. This will be really simple. And Jesus said to him, Away with you. It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. But even Jesus didn't allow himself to live his own will. He submitted his will. And this is why the mind that should be in us, we should be submitting our lives to him. What greater joy, what greater blessing is it for each of us to discover what the will of God is for your life? I remember when I first got saved, I was so nervous about the will of God. I didn't want to miss what he had for me. I loved him so much because of the great gift that he gave me and the the sin, the weight that it was taking off my shoulders. I'm like, Lord, whatever you do, whatever you want to do in my life, I'll do it. I want to do it, Lord. And I was so afraid. I was going to miss it. Listen, if you're afraid of missing the will of God, that's a good thing. But trust me, if that is your heart, it is his job. And I can say that not in a disrespectful way to him, but it is his job to get you there. And I can tell you that he will, and he does, and he can very easily. Even your own choices that you make, the mistakes that you make, he can bring things into your life and ultimately he can do these things and you've seen it in your own life. Sometimes it seems like a labyrinth and you make one choice here, you know it was a bad choice. You correct it and you go this way and next thing you know, you're in the center of God's will. And There's peace, there's joy, not without difficulty, but there's a joy and there's a peace. You know you're doing the right thing. You know where you should be. Verse 3. So back in... First Peter 4, he says, For we have spent enough of our past time, a lifetime, in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness and the lust, the drunkenness, the revelries, the drinking parties, the abominable idolatries. That sounds like a good list. Does that sound like a fun list? It may have been when you were a teenager. It may have sounded very tantalizing. It may have sounded like, wow, I can be a grown-up. I can experience what my mom and dad went through when they were in college. Listen, <laughs> There was nothing glorious and glamorous about any of that. The devil promises everything, and he will bring you up empty every single time, and you'll find out for yourself. And I hope young people, especially teens, I pray that you don't have to go through the things that I went through, the things that your parents went through. You may think, well, I I can do it better, and I won't get burned. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to get burned if you play with that fire. You will get burned, and your friends will abandon you when it's convenient for them. These things will happen, and you'll find yourself, because of peer pressure, because of people making fun of you, because you don't fit in as a Christian, you're going to find yourself having to make the hard decisions. And what decision are you going to make? Are you going to make the decision that's hard and and stay close to the Lord regardless of the ridicule? Well, you can join company with these first century Christians. They felt the same way. Do you really want your old life back, adult Was there really anything about your life that you missed when you were involved in those things? Do you remember the shame of disappointing your parents? Do you remember the relatives and the friends embarrassing them 
and yourselves, the result of the party life, the photos and the videos that were spread around of you doing crazy things when you were under the influence of alcohol and marijuana. We need to be careful, even as Christians, that we never go back to that old place. Are there particular sins dead to you, or do you still flirt with them? In Proverbs it says, For by means of a harlot a man is reduced to a crust of bread. How many men in the news have we seen? How many senators? How many presidents? Men. Not necessarily harlots, but illicit sexual things. And notice what has happened to them. Many of them have become penniless. Some are still rich, but they're penniless in the sense of their reputation is shot. Nobody holds, looks at them and has any respect for them anymore. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's what happens when we forsake the way of Christ, when we forsake it and we dabble and we get involved in those other things. Don't allow it, Christian. Serve the Lord your God. Live according to his will. His will for you is glorious. His will for you is wonderful. He's such a great God. But notice what it says in verse 4. It says, in regard to these, these people who are involved in these things and persecuting you, they think it's strange that you do not run with them with the same flood of dissipation. This idea is a dissolute life, a life that's just abandoned, an excess, riot. That's what it means. Speaking evil of you. Do you remember what your life when you gave your life to Christ and your friends looked at you strangely? Isaiah said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now they're looking at you because you're Mr. Goody Two-Shoes now. You're holier than thou. They look at you and they ridicule you because you're doing good now, because you're desiring to do good things. Isn't that true what the prophet said? 700 years before Christ died? 2,700 years for us. Is it still true today as it was then? You better believe it. For they, these men and women, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. They, the wicked who persecute the righteous, they will give an account. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. You can read, we don't have time for it, but in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, it talks about the white throne judgment. There will be an accounting for those who have persecuted and yet have never given their heart, and they've continued in that vein of just ridiculing you and persecuting you. That's the message that Peter is getting to these people, to these blessed brothers and sisters who now are believers, but under the run from Nero and Rome and suffering for their faith. Isn't it interesting that even today, I just found out there was another shooting in California in a, in a synagogue. Some man, I forget, I think he was 19 or something like that, came in. I, I didn't read the whole story yet because I didn't have time, but think, thankfully only one person was killed. Uh, the congregation got a hold of this guy, <laughs> which I think is really great. It was a synagogue, though, of Jews. Anti-Semitism is on the rise And boy, they hate Christians and they hate Jews because we serve the same God. We serve the same Jesus. 
They don't really believe Jesus is God yet, but they will. But we serve the one who they claim to know and believe, but they don't believe in him as God. But we are the wild olive branch. They are the olive branch, the natural vine. We were grafted into them. Amen? Verse 6, For this reason the gospel was preached to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Now, the word preached here is different from, if you look over in verse 18 of chapter 3 of the same letter, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. The word preached in chapter uh, verse 19 means cariso. Remember, it means to proclaim a victory. It's a herald. It's a victory shout. That's what that word there means. But over here in chapter 4, verse 6, that word preached means something completely different. And yet our English Bible translates it the same. That's why it's so important to get a concordance and find out what these things mean, because they, there's little nuances of meaning. Sometimes they're very stark and very um, in your face, and other times there's just a shade of meaning that makes all the difference in the world. But this one means evangelizo, which means to evangelize, to tell the truth, to tell the gospel, to proclaim the truth of Christ. And so when he says, for this reason the gospel is preached also to those who are dead, he's speaking of those men and women who were already believers. The gospel was preached to them, and then they died at the hands of those who persecuted them. For, the reason, for this reason, the gospel is preached also to those who are dead, believers who the gospel is preached to, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, meaning men who persecuted them. But guess what? They are alive, and they live according to God and the Spirit. Because the gospel cannot be preached to someone who is already dead physically. It's impossible. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Yea, rather fear him. And I fear God. I, I love him. And you know, he loves you. I mean, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't have taken the time. He wouldn't have wasted the time to come. I mean, think of this. This is Almighty God in whom there is no sin, and he was perfectly fine without creation. He was perfectly fine in eternity past, before Genesis 1, verse 1. He was perfectly fine and content. He didn't need anything. But God loves to have fellowship with those who volunteer, voluntarily, willingly, of their own volition, they, 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 they see what he has done and they give themselves to him. That pleases God, because it's a choice. It's love. Again, I, I, I just love the fact that there's always a choice. In real love, there has to be a choice for there to be real love. You have to make a decision today who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve yourself or are you going to serve Jesus Christ, the one who saved you, the one who loves you? Serve him. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, this is a hard letter, isn't it? This has not been an easy letter for me either because there's a lot of stuff in here that's really difficult. But it's good. Don't be surprised when you go through difficulties. Jesus said, blessed are you. This is what we call the, in the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, beginning in verse 10, blessed are those who persecute for you for righteousness' sake. 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, notice, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So you're in good company if difficulties are coming, are happening to you. Don't be discouraged. Paul would tell Timothy in his letter, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But you know, there's a wonderful joy in serving the Lord and doing what He wants. Remember when Peter, James, and John, after the day of Pentecost, they went up to the temple and they began to minister, and they were taken into uh, jail, and they were beaten and then told not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And what does it say when they left? They, 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 they were blessed that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. See, we don't understand that. And, and I'll be honest with you, it's a little strange. We're not looking for a fight. Are you looking for a fight? I, don't, I, don't like, I really don't like to fight. But we're not looking for a fight. It'll come to you. But suffering for the name of Jesus? If you suffer because you're an evildoer, then you get your reward, which is death, isn't it? It's something negative that's going to happen to you. But when you suffer for the name of Jesus because you don't deserve it, because you proclaimed and were doing rightly, believe me, there's a whole different story. You can, you can rest your head on your pillow at night, as Peter did, as Paul did in the Philippian jail at midnight singing praises to God with their backs ripped open from the lashings and being put in the stocks. They were able to thank God because they knew they were doing the right thing and God was pleased with them and he gave them the grace to go through that. You and I probably will never have to suffer any of those things, so don't worry. But don't be offended and be discouraged when you do go through things. You're in good company. And yet, It hasn't gotten really bad. It hasn't gotten really bad in this country yet. But I fear that it will. I believe that it will. But you need to shine as lights. And that's why we're going to take communion. If we could have uh, Aubrey come up, and she's going to lead us in a song of worship. We're going to take communion together. You know, let God be everything to you, that you would shine as lights, and that his blood that he poured out on the cross, his body being broken for you, which is what these elements signify. We do this in remembrance of him. Lord, that you washed us, Lord, by your blood. And Lord, that we are made white as snow. Lord, because of the the blood of the pure, spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, thank you that we can now know you, Lord, that we're no longer strangers to you, that we're no longer at enmity with you, God. The peace has been made. The peace of God We have the peace of God because we have the peace with God. And we thank you, Lord, for your death and for your resurrection, for your ascension, and for your soon to return to this earth, Lord, to gather a bride to yourself. We'll meet you in the clouds. We'll forever be with you, Lord, and then return with you in your millennial reign for a thousand years. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. And Lord, we take these tokens, Lord, in remembrance of you and in thanksgiving for what you've done, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, and praise you for your goodness, for your provision for our lives. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for each one of us. Lord, thank you so much.
Let's partake. Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness again, Lord. Just be with us as we go out from this place, Lord. Just be our guide and be our God. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.